Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. His life. This man lives, this family lives. Bishop, you have raised tremendous, a tremendous family. And I give you honor today. Uh, to Bishop McGee, uh, he has no idea how much I value the front porch at Frankfurt Camp. There was a few years that we, were, we would just sit in the front porch and talk, and he would just glean so much into my life at a moment that I needed it. And I will be forever grateful for those moments. And uh, there was a couple of, couple of years that I, I counted down the days and the hours that I could sit in the porch. Just me and him by ourselves, nobody around us. And I would, I would ask him questions, and he would, as a, a friend, and uh, you have no idea, Bishop, what that means to me. And uh, you have helped me get to where I am today, and I give you honor. I give this church honor. You could be doing a lot of things, and this is a busy, crazy world, and you could be doing a lot of things, but you're doing the greatest thing you'll ever do, and that's being in the house of God. I give you honor tonight. Tonight is, is a very special service, and, and as part of the World Missions uh, Department uh, special team, I need to correct the brother's announcement that Friday night is World Missions Rally in Bloomington, Indiana, Shiloh Temple. Yes, Pastor Vasquez will be preaching, and you do not want to miss that word, but I, Pastor, please forgive me, but I need to correct him. It isn't if you have nothing else to do. You need to change what you are going to do and make sure you go to Bloomington, Indiana for World Missions Conference. Amen. If I'm wrong, then he can feed me a cheeseburger and tell me that later on. But you want to do whatever you can to be there. It is a tremendous time. You get, you get four or 500 people in the same service, you have a good time. I'm going to go with the purpose uh, it's even a greater time. God shows up. We've never had a bad mission service. So if you want to see what a packed house where apostolics look like, go to missions conference. Amen. All right, there you go. I'm done with that. But we are. I am super excited to be here. Uh, when, when Brother McGee called me and asked me to be here, I, I didn't even hesitate. I told him yes. I t- called my wife or texted her and told her that we would be coming, and she was excited. So my wife, uh, Brandy, is going to come up. Overall... Uh, it's our first, my first business trip, well ours, was in 2009, we went to Mexico, seeing Sister Hickman, and from that time, I have been to Haiti twice, Cuba twice, uh, she went to Haiti once with my, or with our middle son, I went once with my oldest, uh, we've both been to Poland, we were in Hong Kong and Myanmar with the Namies, and, uh, that was a crazy trip, and we were actually, we were actually with them when President Trump was canceling all the flights out of Asia. And uh, I've, been, I've been a lot of places, but when the missionary looks at you and says, I don't, I've never dealt with this before, that kind of worries you. <laughs> but uh, we were actually there with them on a trip. We were supposed to go. We were in Hong Kong. Uh, we spent a week in Myanmar. We were supposed to go to the Philippines, but they closed the Philippines down. They were closing Hong Kong down. 
So we spent a couple extra days in uh, Bangkok, Thailand, spent the night in Tokyo to get home. But uh, I want her to come and, and uh, just share with you some of the experiences we've had on, on our trips together, what she's, what she's felt and her love for missions. Praise the Lord. Um, first of all, I'm just thankful to, for the opportunity to be in the house of God tonight. Um, you know, if you've been on a missions trip, it's a whole new experience for you. And each place you go is different. And, you know, as I, we drove our car here today, you know, with heat and air, air blowing with my husband. Um, you know, we weren't walking 10 miles, 20 miles, 30 miles. We got in our car and we drove to church. Um, we didn't have to worry about, you know, when we walked into the doors if something was going to happen. Um, we just don't realize how blessed we really are. Um, and like you said, our first trip in 2009 to Mexico, um, it was a, an experience. We went down there to do VBS, and um, I don't think anybody on the trip spoke Spanish. So if you are, you know, trying to communicate with 20, 30, 40 Spanish-speaking children, it's a little difficult. Um, there wasn't enough people to translate for us, but, um, but it was an amazing experience because even though we speak a different language, we still felt the same spirit. Um, and that kind of really, really birthed a love for missions in us. Um, and we have a, a huge burden and, um, you know, we spent some years trying to figure out if it's a calling or a burden. Um, either way, we love missions and we're going to do what we can. Um, I'm kind of jealous I haven't been to Cuba. I really want to go to Cuba. My husband loves it there. Haven't made it there. But um, in Haiti, um, Haiti was a different place. Haiti was a place that absolutely changed my life. There's a lot of devastation there. There's a lot of poverty. Um, and it's crazy because, you know, the, the smallest things here that we get frustrated about that we don't have or we can't get, um, It's nothing. It's nothing compared to the trials and struggles that they have. Um, I think what humbled me the most, though, is that you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know that they had those struggles and those troubles um, because they were grateful and thankful for anything that they did have. Um, a lot of times when you go to these places as well, the one thing that kind of really touched my heart and... Um, kind of put me on my knees is that sometimes when you go into other countries, <clears throat> there's a great move of God. Not everybody always knows exactly what they're feeling, though. They know that it's something powerful, that it's something different. But there were several times that, um, you know, that I've witnessed that they're trying to respond, but they don't have the fullness of that yet. They don't have the fullness of the truth. They don't truly know what God's spirit is. They just know that it's different and it makes them feel good. And, um, you know, and that's okay because they're still responding and the Lord's going to work on that. He's going to work on them and they're going to get that, um, full revelation of who God really is. Um, so in Haiti, it was a lot of, um, a lot of poverty. Um, where we were at it, there was a lot of poverty. It wasn't quite as bad. So we stayed in Petiguave, Haiti. 
um, at what they call a resort. Um, there's no hot water. <laughs> they shut the power off during the day. Um, but for them, for that area, that's, it, was, it was a very nice place. Um, but in Port-au-Prince, when we spent the day in Port-au-Prince and visiting some orphanages, um, that was very heart-wrenching. In Port-au-Prince, um, they were probably hit the biggest from the hurricanes and things that come through. And um, as we were driving through Port-au-Prince, their landfills are full. I mean, Haiti's just had total devastation for many years. There's so many hurricanes that have hit them, and they've not been able to rebuild from that. And as you drove, their landfills are full. They have nowhere to push the put the trash, so they just set it on the side of the road. And um, as a matter of fact, the day that we were in Port-au-Prince, um, as soon as I got back to the resort, I threw my shoes away because it is not a clean place. Um, but again, those things that we take for granted, you know, um, they live in this every day. Um, and to them, it's just a way of life. It's like it's no big deal. And that was very humbling for me. Um, I live in a house with three boys. It is not always the cleanest house. But, you know, I, I, I don't have to live where there's trash piled on the streets. I don't have to move the trash to walk through. I don't have to go through the trash to find food to eat. I don't have to worry about where my next meal is gonna come from. I don't have those worries like they do. Um, and our middle son went with us and he is, um, I will say my most challenging child probably. Um, and I was really hoping that, you know, it would help him. And, um, you know, his life was, was touched and changed as well. Um, and then to Asia, <laughs> our trip to Asia, um, we had gone, we were there with the Namies and um, Brother Art Schnitzer and Brother Chad Erickson, um, and we had gone basically for a training, like what is the life of a missionary? You know, going on a missions trip is not a true experience of what the mission field is. Um, it's kind of like going to NYC or youth conference or some, you know, some type of conference um, when you go, typically, not all of them are that way, but for the most part, you don't really get to see truly what a mission field is like, the struggles that they have, um, the things that they go through. And as Brother Dini said, when Brother Namie, who has been in the missions field for 20 years, a long time, says, I've never been through this before. Those of us that have not been in the mission field for 20 years are kind of like, okay, Lord, we're just going to have to trust you. Um, but um, we started in Hong Kong, and Hong Kong really is, right now, the, the works in Hong Kong is actually Filipinos. Um, that, you know, a lot of the Filipino women go over there to work. And so... Um, I was really encouraged, though, because I told a couple of the ladies that, you know, that they needed to keep going because at some point their walk is going to touch the, 
their employer, the person that they work for. They're going to see the desires. They're going to see that, you know, we had one girl that had to basically sneak out of her employer's house to come to church. Um, but they're going to see how important it is to them. And one day, you know, their hearts are going to be touched and moved. And not only will there'll be, not only will there be a work for the Filipinos in Hong Kong, but the Chinese are going to also, you know, I believe it. I believe that at some point that work is going to grow um, and the natives are going to become a part of it. Um, and then we went to Myanmar and did some training there in Myanmar. And um, of all the places we went, Myanmar had the best food. <laughs> there was really good food there. But, um, but it was a different experience as well. Um, one thing about going into a mission field, you have to understand that cultures are different. So, um, and you come to learn the differences. Uh, you have to be very open-minded when you go into a mission field because things don't work the way they do here. Um, there's a lot of, in Myanmar, there's a lot of tribes. So there's a lot of um, tribal things that go on that, you know, for us, as an American apostolic, we look at and we're like, well, that's not really biblical. Um, but um, most of the things, you know, they weren't really um, against the Bible, but they just weren't things that we were used to. Um, and, you know, I asked several questions because I was curious as to why um, some of them wore these coverings over their head, and I, I never did really fully understand what that was, but they, they would come with their, like mud or something on their faces, and, that ha and it had to do with their tribe, and um, there was a, it's hard for them to move past these things that they have grown up around, um, traditions that they have, and, um, but I really enjoyed um, Myanmar as well. Um, definitely um, probably more open uh, to a move of God there. Most of them were pretty open um, and really living the life the best that they could. Um, and then we did spend some time in Poland as well because we really wanted to go and sit down with some missionaries and just talk to them and just kind of glean from them. And in Poland, um, Poland is a very oppressive place. Um, there's a lot of oppression still in Poland to this day. And um, they're definitely searching for something, but they just don't know what it is. Um, and, you know, the Adams are, are doing a great works over there, you know, trying to reach the Polish people. Um, and I believe, you know, you know, I hope that, unfortunately, through the situations that they're going through right now, that, you know, this is an opportunity for some lives to be changed and people to come to God um, and understand and figure out what, what it is that they're actually searching for. Um, but we, um, we really enjoy going on the missions trips. Um, 
the uh, for me when we went to Mexico I was a little bit upset because I thought we were going down there like build churches and sleep in tents we're gonna have the whole experience Um, and one of our leaders was like "Mm, I'm not really for that so we we stayed in a hotel but um, but I just love I love to go and help Um, you know some people say some give by going and some go by giving you know, there'll be, there's people I'll tell you, like, I'll just give my money so that they can do the works where I'm like, I just want to go and help, just do whatever I can do. Um, but we definitely have a burden for missions. And, um, you know, Lord willing, there'll be more trips to come um, that we can go and help. But um, I'm thankful um, for truth. I'm thankful for the opportunity to go over and and spread that truth so that, um, you know, lives can be changed. But um, I know it's World Missions Night, but one thing that I did, I was convicted big time, is that um, we have a field here as well. And, um, you know, while we were trying to figure out, is it a burden? Is it a calling? What am I doing? Where am I going? You know, the Lord had to convict me and say, you're right here. You have a field right here. So no matter what, um, you know, we are going to, we need to support our missionaries. They need our support. They need our prayers. Um, but don't forget about your field here as well. Amen. In Mexico, when we got there, it was 105 during the day, and at the end of the week, it was 115. And they would walk for up to six to seven miles to get to church. The second time I was in Haiti, we were doing a medical missions. We didn't have any services. We were just there ministering. We had dentists there and a couple doctors. They were starting to protest the government at that time, and right across the street was a school, and the schools are all state-ran. Well, they were coming out of lunchtime and protesting, and two days in a row, right outside the gates of the the compound, the church compound, there was a standoff between the military police and the teachers and the community to the point that they're shooting off their rifles uh, off in the air. And in fact, the second day, they actually let off some tear gas. And uh, we were down with the group, uh, Brother Cody Mayo, pastors down in Louisiana, him and his crew was there doing some welding. And the tear gas, they landed right at the gate of the church and the the driveways here to the front of the church and the trees come up over top of it and it's a tunnel. Well, the wind shifted and took that whole th- thing of tear gas up and there was several uh, 20 Haitians, young, old, that were sitting there waiting, waiting to be seen and our guys were up on a straddling a two-story brick wall uh, that was not sturdy at all, but they were welding as they turned around, lift up their masks as the tear gas hit them. And they jumped on us, and they got us inside to keep us and protect us. And you looked out the window, and there was children as young as four and five that people were dumping five-gallon buckets of water because they had tear gas in their eyes. We had to bring in some elderly ladies and lay them in the room, the only room that had air conditioning to cool them off because they were having asthma attacks because of what was going on. We think we have it bad over here. And Sister Brandy was talking about Poland. There's so much oppression going on around the world. It's either poverty, oppression by religion, or oppression by the government. 
And you might think that you have it bad here, but when you're, when you're afraid that at any point in time, the government can come in with rifles and tear gas to a church service, that adds a little bit to it. When there's people that, that told us in Poland that their parents and their family has turned away because they were of a different re religion. And when they found out, they were working with the Adams and they found the true revelation that their family had disowned them. That's heavy. I was, uh, she was reading this, and I'm going to get to these posts here in just a little bit. I'm like, I got a message. God's going to let me preach here in just a minute. But I was thinking of those commercials that tell you for 30 cents a day, you can feed a child. I've seen those places. If you ever watch those commercials, those infomercials, and they're telling you for 30 cents, you can give them a, a, a handful of rice. I've seen those places. That's what Haiti is. I added that up. 30 cents a day for 30 days is $9. I'm going to give you that. I'm going to put this into your mind right now before I get to preaching. But God's going to give you a bigger number. But on here it says for 10. You can support a missionary for $10 a month. For a dollar more. If you give to those places, give. They need all the help they can get. Don't stop. But for as little as $10, and my, my oldest boy, uh, Malachi, he has, uh, for the last two years, I believe, has started supporting a missionary at like $10 or $15 a month. But young people, for, you can help a missionary reach souls. You know what? You need rice and beans and water to live here, but you need salvation to live over yonder. So tonight, I know this is a very special service, and this is a different service, and I'm a big pastor. Let me come back and just preach for another night for, just because I want to come back and preach another night. <laughs> but God has given me a word for this church tonight. If you have your Bibles and will stand with me for the reading of the word, 1 Samuel chapter 30. Looked over at brother and sister Mason. I said, she's still in my notes. She got all over this. I should just let her keep going. This is a, somewhat of a common story, and this, this will make sense here in just a minute. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 through 4, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 8. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day, that the Amalekites, Amalekites invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burnt it with fire. And they had taken the women captives that were within, therein. They slew not any, neither great nor small, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters were taken captives. And David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Verse 8. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them 
and without fail, recover all. Tonight, I'm going to get you guys to sit down. I appreciate you guys staying. I'm going to talk to us tonight on the cost of heaven. The cost of heaven. Can you lay your Bibles down, lift up your hands, and ask God to move? Lord, I thank you, God, for what you are doing in this place. I thank you, Lord, for this great opportunity to spread your gospel. God, I pray that you will allow me, God, to be a vessel of me for the master's use. God, I pray that you will bless everyone that is here tonight, God, through your word. I pray that we receive it, God, and accept it. God, I pray that you will bless anyone and everyone that hears this word, God, through the internet, God. I pray that you will move and touch hearts and minds tonight, God, of the young and of the elders, of our saints and our visitors, God. God, and I pray that we stand never, never failing to give you the glory and honor that you so richly deserve. In the name of Jesus, I give you praise and honor. In the name of Jesus, you can be seated tonight. I would be remiss to, to let you know that even though this is a missions recommitment service, if you need to repent of your sins, tonight is the night to do it. If you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus, if there's not water here, there's a big river just down the street. And if you need the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, tonight is your night. I believe that you can, you can preach anything Genesis to Revelations and somebody can come in and have their life changed forever. So don't hesitate. You feel the call of God, you come up here to this altar, you will not, you will not scare me at all. Because I believe God wants to change lives here as he does around the world. As David and his men came over the horizon, tired and battered, and certainly many of them wounded, they saw smoke coming from Ziglag. As they drew closer, they started to realize that no one was around. No children playing, no animals roaming around, no one to meet them at the edge of the city, happy to see them home. The men started to get a bad feeling in their gut that something was not right as they saw their home smoldering and burning with no one in sight. Surely David and all of the men were distraught that their families were taken. They didn't know what was going on or what was happening and they wept because they did not know that if they would ever see their families again. David and their men were out at battle. They were keeping the enemy away as they were gaining land. And they come home expecting a warm welcome from their families. And the men surely had been gone for a few days. They were excited to get a kiss from the wife and a hug from the children. But as they came over beaten and battered and the only hope they had was a, a home-cooked meal and the only joy that they had was, was to be able to sit at home with their family and tell them of the great stories of what God had brought them through. But all of a sudden, they started to realize that something was not right. They, they started to realize that what they thought was a bonfire or maybe mama was cooking some bread for dinner. They started to realize that that was their homes burning and the barns burning, their tents. And all of a sudden, what they were used to hearing children screaming and playing and they used to hearing the animals uh, doing whatever they do and mooing and hee-hawing and whatever, there was all of a sudden an eerie silence that was coming over the horizon. They realized that something was wrong, that something had happened to their safe place. The Bible will tell us that the men started to blame David for the loss of their families because if David had not sent them out to war, they would have been home to protect their families. 
They were mad. They were talking about stoning and killing David and they, they were going to get their justice for the loss of their families. And the Bible tells us that David had to inquire of God on his own. He had to encourage himself asking God, shall I pursue after the troops? Shall I go after them and overtake them? And, and God tells us his answer. He said, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Now I know, I know I'm speaking to you tonight on a mission field and a missionary service, but here's what God started dealing with me a couple of weeks ago. Because if you read along in that story, it tells us that David and 600 men went after all of the women and children. David didn't go just after his wife and his children. David didn't go after his best friend's wives and his children. But out of thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of men and children that were taken by the Amalekites or the Amalekites, David said, I'm going to gird up my loins and I'm going to grab my sword because there are souls that need to be saved. David didn't matter who it was. David didn't say, I don't know your wife. I, don't worry about her. And I don't know about your children. They're just brats. I'm going to leave them out with the enemy. David said, there's something inside of me that God, I need to pursue after the enemy because there are men and children. There are women that need to be saved from the enemy. There are some people that need to get back home. There's some that need to be saved. We must understand that David went with 600 men, but on the way back to Ziglag, he had thousands of men. There were thousands of men that was, went to war with David, and when they got home, the majority of them were so distraught and so upset and so mad at David that when David turned around and said, I'm going to go after and I'm going to get all the wives and I'm going to get all the children. God told me I can't pursue. God told me and gave me a word that I will recover all. Come on, men, come and fight with me. Come on, men, and let's go save our women and let's go save our children. That the majority of them looked at David and said, you're on your own. But David, being a man of God, listening to what God had said, did not look at those men and say, fine, your wife is staying. He didn't look at those men and say, well, you're mad at me? Fine, I'm mad at you. I'm not going to go after your wife and your children. I'm going to go get mine. And me and my wife and our children will be fine. But you're going to lose your wife and your children forever. David didn't have that attitude. He said, I need to pursue all we got to have a mentality tonight within this church that God is going to use us to recover all. Come on, I'm speaking to a church that you have been called to Mount Carmel, Illinois, not to save just your friends and your family, but you were here to reach the waitress at the restaurant and the attendant at the gas station. You were not called here just for those that you know, but you're here to call. To, you're here to reach out the drunk down the street and the drug house down the corner. You were here to reach the souls of this city. It doesn't matter if you know them. God called you here to save souls. You were called here to reach the young and the old. It doesn't matter their age, their skin color, their ethnicity, their culture. It doesn't matter. You are here. You are here tonight because God called you to save this city. If you go further down, just a few scriptures in 1 Samuel 30 and 10. David leaves out with 600. 
But 30 and 10 tells us, but David pursued. He and 400 men for 200 abode behind, which were so faint they could not go over the brook Bezor. Bezor. David walked into Ziglag with thousands of men. He left Ziglag with 600. Now all of a sudden he got to the point where he's down to 400. But the first three words of that scripture, but David pursued. David didn't look around and said, I may be by myself or I may be losing 200 more men. They may not be willing to go, but I'm able to go and save their families and I'm going to save their wives and I'm going to save their children. You need to understand, you may be the only one in your school that's serving God, but God has placed you in that high school, in that middle school, in that elementary school to reach the teachers and the principals and your classmates because that is your missions field tonight. In the name of Jesus, when you walk into your work on Monday morning, that is your missions field. You were called to that business. You were called to that place to reach souls and to save them from the enemy's hands. We must understand that everybody, boy, girl, young, old, black, white, it doesn't matter, skinny, short, fat, you are facing a battle in the spirit whether you know it or not. And we have been placed with the truth to fight the enemy and get back what the devil is trying to take from this community. David was willing to put his life on the line to get back people he didn't even know. The cost of heaven for David was he put his life on the line to get those people safe. I'm asking you tonight, what are you willing to give up to help get people to heaven? What are you willing to sacrifice? Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross to give you a way to heaven. What is a few misly dollars coming out of your pocket every month to help somebody reach souls across the world? We can give up our Starbucks and our McDonald's once a week to help somebody reach souls and get Bible studies and give baptisms and help them receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What is the cost tonight of heaven? Many years ago, there was a family that came through this city and God stopped them in this city and said, this is going to be your missions field. And over the years, there have been men, one after another, that have allowed God to minister to their lives and brought them to pursue this community. But it's not just who we want to go in. This, this message is not for just the ones that we like. This message is for the whole world. In fact, I believe we need to have our enemies in here far more than we need to have our friends in here. I have a question to ask this church. If this gospel is worth giving to your friends and your family and to your city, if it's good enough to go into the prisons, is this gospel of Jesus Christ good enough for the world? Is this message good enough to give to the mom and dads in Europe and Asia? 
Is this gospel good enough for the children in Haiti or Mexico? Where do we draw the line at who can and cannot hear this message? Where do we draw the line on who should and should not receive salvation to make heaven their home? I came here to tell somebody tonight, and I pray to God he's dealing with you right now, that this gospel is for the whole world. It is not just for America. It is for Asia. It is for, I, it is for Taiwan and Japan and the Philippines. It's for Canada and Mexico and South America and Central America. If there's a man or a woman standing, it is for them. And we got to pay the price. We need to have the attitude that David had. David was distraught, but determined. David, when he inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue? David had it in his heart that he was going to go after the enemy. He did not ask, God, should I go or should I stay? God, what should I do? God, uh, uh, if you really want me to go, just tell me. But I'm, I'm going to stand here and wait. The Bible says that he girded himself with a linen ephod. That is a spiritual garment as well as a military garment. Am I right, Pastor? So when, Gabe, when David put on his armor, he said, I'm ready to talk to God and I'm ready to attack the enemy. If you want to save souls in Mount Carmel, Illinois, maybe you got to put on your linen ephod and say, God, shall I pursue? Not what should I do, but God, I'm going to go out there. What do you want me to do? God, I'm going to go after him. Just tell me, and I'm going to go after them. David's questioning was not a, a thing of, well, should I or shouldn't I? He was basically saying, God, I'm going. You better, you need to tell me if I don't want to, if y'all don't want me to go. We just had that mentality. How many times, and don't raise your hands, have you felt God tugging on you to invite the waitress or the cashier to church? How many times have you walked by somebody and you just feel that tug to say, is there something that, can I pray for you? Have you ever walked by somebody and you go, I should invite them to church, but you know what, I'm busy. When you get the mentality of pursue, that, uh, uh, nope. When they walk by you and you say they need to hear about Jesus, you just turn around and start telling them about Jesus. You don't care what's going on. You don't care the situation. David's, was, David's life was in ruin. His house was burnt down. His wife and children were gone. He had no idea if he would ever see them again. But he said, I'm going to do everything. And I'm going to give my life to do whatever it takes to get my family back because they are souls and I need them back with me. David didn't know how many of the enemy there was. David don't, didn't know how far he was going to have to travel. David, after losing 200 men, did not know how many men he was going to have with him when they faced the enemy. But I am standing here in full belief. This is my belief that if David was by himself, he was going to stand up to the whole army of the enemy and fight them until either God gave him the victory or God took him home. We need to have the, the ability to fight even when we're by ourselves. David didn't put a limit on how far he would pursue. David didn't put a time limit. 
He didn't put a date. He didn't put an amount. But he was going to pursue until he got back his family. God has called us to get back those that have left the church and those that have never heard of the church. But we have to have the mentality that we're going to pursue. It doesn't matter how far we got to travel. It doesn't matter how much hours it takes, how long it takes to get there. And it doesn't matter how much we've got to give. When we give our lives to this gospel and we give this life to this Jesus, it's given us a life or death thing that we go until the end. See, Mark 16 and 15 tells us, to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Pastor Matthew Ball in Carmel, Indiana has a sign above his door. As you leave the church, it says you are now entering the missions field. And I love it. I, every time I'm at that church, I walk where I can see it. Because his philosophy is this outside these doors is a missions field. That means the house across the street is a missions field. The McDonald's down the street is a missions field. At every point, every corner, every street, every back alley, every restaurant is a missions field. Every time we leave this sanctuary, we are entering into the missions field. But what I have learned in my travels is there's no end to the missions field. You leave these doors, you enter the missions field. But pastor, you never... Leave the missions field. Our missions field is our neighborhoods, our communities, our state, our region, our country, and the continent. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far our missions fields goes. You guys have been called to Mount Carmel, Illinois. There's 20 some odd families that have been called around the world. Just as you were called to reach and spread this gospel of Jesus Christ to this community. There are families that left their homes and their churches because God had called them around the world to preach that same gospel. Because they felt God telling them it was just as important to reach the Haitians and the Cubans and the Chileans. The Chinese and the Japanese, the Filipinos. It is not us to make the decision who should and shouldn't hear this gospel. In fact, Brother Name, as we were with him a couple of years ago, made this statement and he did it through his last deputation. He would read Matthew 24 and 14. Now, I don't think I gave the, the guys this, that's okay. But it says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all of the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. If you want to make heaven your home, it's not going to happen until all of the nations hear this wonderful gospel. So your cost to heaven may be $10 a month. But if you can help these wonderful families reach these people and reach the nations, you are helping the drawing of the Lord come closer and closer. Because as Sister Brandy had mentioned earlier, 
Brother and Sister Adams in Krakow, Poland, they're reaching the Polish people, but they are now serving the Ukrainians that are coming over because of war. And I believe because of this and because of God's blessing, that God is going to be able to use them when this is all said and done to be able to get a work going in those countries. We have missionaries that are not just reaching their local communities in the towns they're living in. But Sister Hickman drives hours and hours, four and five hours just for one church service because she is able to reach further and further into Mexico. She's able to go into Central America and they're able to reach souls from one country to the next. These missionaries are not just sitting, waiting, waiting for you to give them money to reach their local communities, but they're using these to reach out into other nations. So you're giving tonight. It's helping these missionaries reach souls that we cannot reach. When I was youth pastor several years ago, I was, we would talk with our young people and we would tell them that you are the ones that need to reach your schools. And I use this as an example because I said, I can't go into your schools and start talking to all the teenagers about Jesus because I would be the creepy old man walking around the school. They're not going to listen to this creepy old man they don't know. But they'll listen to you guys. I can't walk into your jobs and start telling your boss about Jesus Christ. I'll get kicked out. But they'll listen to you. You are the missionary in your world. And in your land. I'm about to close. Yeah, I ain't preached that long. Zechariah 8, 7 through 9 tells us. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country. There's countries to the east of us and there's countries to the west of us. And I will bring them and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem and they shall be my people and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. But watch what verse 9 says. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, let your hands be strong. We have a calling to do the work of the Lord. Let that hear in these days those words by the mouth of the prophets or the preachers, which were in the days of the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid that the temple might be built. He says, I will save the people from the east and from the west. But he also said, let your hands be strong. So tonight, they will tell you that the pen is mightier than the sword. I'm going into sales mode right now, Pastor. Please forgive me. God said, I'm going to save everyone from east to west. His goal is that none should perish. And if God doesn't give a limit on who needs to hear the gospel and who should go to heaven, neither should we. So tonight I pray, and we're going to go to the Lord in prayer here in just a second. We have 
papers over there and over here. I pray that God will minister to your heart. And he will speak to you about helping out these missionaries. Several years ago, my wife and I, we started uh, taking care of a missionary. Our church was doing it at first, and then Brother Cannon, several years before the national took over, was doing this. And each one of our families in our church, we actually take a missionary. And then it caught on, and that's actually how you got missions recommitment service, because our church kind of led that march. But what it does is it helps you connect with these people. Your money doesn't go to a big business and you're not helping some CEO get a brand new car. I know and, and was very close friends with a couple of the secretaries of the World Missions Department. It all goes to the missionaries. And as Pastor was talking about the the money exchange difference. Pastor Josh Wilson a few weeks ago was in Lebanon. <clears throat> he ordered, I think, four cups of coffee and two croissants, or two coffees of four croissants. And they came out to be 181 American dollars. And we gripe about Starbucks. Four cups of coffee and two croissants cost almost 200 American dollars. What are we going to do to help the Azars live and support and reach the Middle East? We have a part to do. And our part tonight is first and foremost to pray for our missionaries. You may not have a dollar to your name. You may not have a penny to give, and that's okay. But you have a prayer to give. But I ask if you'll all stand if the music wanted to come. They want to play something soft. You may stand here and say, I have no desire to get on a plane and travel to any other country. I love America, and that's fine. That's great. But just as we support people in America, we need to help these families. I have met pretty much all of them at some point in time, and I've spoken and I made sure anytime I would see them, I would stop and talk to them. I, I would go, and I love going on trips with groups, but I prefer to go either by myself or with my wife just because you get to sit down and get all of this. The struggles of trying to reach people, the struggles of trying just to live day to day. I was in Cuba. Uh, it's now a general works with our missionary that was there at the time spent almost three hours trying to find us a cab that would take us like three miles or four miles away to a church service. Brother and sister Naomi was trying to find flights to get us in and out of Myanmar and Hong Kong so we wouldn't get stuck for Lord only knows how long. Tonight, your hands need to be strong. Because there's a word by the mouth of the prophets. Many times in the Bible, the word prophet could be interchanged with preachers. So we have preachers from all around the world that need your help. You're helping build churches. You're helping them being able to go and reach others in this country.
Brother Spears just a few weeks ago had reached out because he needed $1,500 to send some men to the other end of Uganda to be able to baptize pastors. We have Krakow, Poland. That they're trying to just reach someone. They packed up their two young children at the time. They landed in a country they had visited one other time. But God hit them so strong with the burden for this city that they loaded up everything they could, grabbed their two children that really didn't understand what was going on, and moved some 14 hours away from their families. Because they knew the calling of God was greater than their own, what they wanted to do in their life. But they need our help if they're going to reach the great people of Poland and in Ukraine. We have families that are in Ireland, Germany. The Stumbos have had to leave Russia. We pray that God will protect them. They're making their way. We've had missionaries be displaced from their homes in these countries because of war. But their desire is not to come back to the States. Their desire is to go back one day and continue to do the work that God has called them there to do. Just as this church, this pastor, young, old, you have been called to this city to do a work in this city. There's families that have been called to do this all around the world. So we ask tonight, I'm going to open up these altars. I'm going to ask you to take a moment, seek the face of God, and ask God, how can I help? How can my hands be strong? God will bless you. God will provide. If you sacrifice, God will make a way. If you can afford a dollar, please give a dollar. On the card it says 10, 20, 5, 50 or other. It can be anything you're wanting to give. Take the bottom card, fill it out. Take the top one, put it on your refrigerator and pray. But fill out what, who you are, your churches, all your information and what you're willing to give. This is a pledge. And every month you're going to pledge to give this amount, whatever it is. But you're not just giving to help somebody out. You're doing the work of the Lord. And you're doing the work of the kingdom of God. And just the stroke of a pen, your hands will be strong. To reach the nations from the east to the west. So that the end shall come. Every eye closed, every hand raised. God, I love you. Lord, I thank you for the sweet presence that we feel in this place. God, you have allowed me to speak to this church. God, and that a burden is being set. That there's some young person, there's some elder, there's some saint. God, that they're going to give sacrificially for the kingdom of heaven. Knowing and by faith, God, that you're going to make a way. But they know that they have a work to do. And they're going to do their part for your kingdom. God, I know that you're going to 
Make a way where there seemeth to be no way. And you're going to bring revival to this great church and to this great congregation tonight because of the sacrificial giving that they're going to give. Tonight as we call upon the name of the Lord, God, I pray, God, for a great harvest. God, to be brought out of this, this church. God, and that lives around the world will be, will be changed. And when we get over yonder, Jesus, and we're walking on streets of gold, that we can have a Haitian or we can have a Russian come up to us and say, because of your giving that I heard the gospel. I believe it's true. Every word that I speak in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. These altars are open if you want to come and pray. If you want to come up and look at these cards, there are a few cards for each missionary look. If you just want to give a general offering. And I know I didn't talk to Pastor about this. But if you want to give a general offering, you don't think that you can give a monthly offering, but you want to give $20 tonight. $100 tonight, $1,000 tonight. I ask that you go ahead and bring it up. She, she said, we've got buckets right there. Whatever you want to do, if you cannot give monthly, but you want to give tonight, there's these two buckets. Please come and drop it in. Because every penny is helping our missionaries and helping the kingdom of heaven grow. As they sing... We have a special need for the Spears family, the Kaikendals, and the Fendels. These are three missionaries that are in more need of monthly support. Brother Spears has changed from Norway to Uganda. The Kaikendals are newly elected. They got elected last year to the country of Ireland, but they have, they have yet to go because of the government. They have a lot of needs, and the Fendels... They have a lot of things going on in the country of Chile that they need your support. But let God deal with you tonight. As they sing, just let God minister to your heart. And let God help let you be a blessing to someone. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.